The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome, Giants fans. You are listening to the Valentine's Views podcast here on Big Blue View Radio, part of the SB Nation family of podcasts. I'm your host, Ed Valentine of Big Blue View. On today's show, we have to talk about the Thursday morning news that Odell Beckham has gone to the hospital for special surgery where many of the Giants doctors are located for a second opinion on his injured quad. We will also have an interview with Jimmy Morris of SB Nation's Music City Miracles and Locked On Titans regarding Sunday's Giants-Titans game at MetLife Stadium, which is a, a critical game for both teams. First, we have to talk about the Beckham news. We found out Thursday morning, and Pat Shermer revealed that Beckham would not practice on Thursday, that he would spend the day at the hospital for special surgery, getting a second opinion on the quad injury, that caused him to miss Sunday's game against the Washington Redskins. To be honest, I'm not quite sure what to make of this. The original injury, which has been referred to as a bruised quad, apparently occurred a couple of weeks ago against the Philadelphia Eagles. The strange thing about all of this is obviously that Beckham played the following week and played fairly well in a victory over the Chicago Bears. The week after that, obviously this past week against the Washington Redskins, Beckham didn't show up on the injury report until Friday when he also revealed on Facebook Watch that the injured quad was still lingering, uh, was held out of practice on, on that Friday, I believe, and on Saturday was surprisingly ruled out of the game against Washington, which is something that I don't think even the Giants had anticipated. Now this week, he apparently practiced on Wednesday in a limited fashion. The only thing I can read into the fact that he went to the hospital for special surgery today was that after 
stretching and participating in those in those individual drills on Wednesday that he did not like the way that he felt regarding uh, regarding the quad injury and wanted to get the second opinion. You know, to me, the only the only thing I can I can read into this, I don't have any any inside information. Obviously, we know Beckham takes great care of his body. He had revealed on Facebook that he spends, you know, roughly three hundred thousand dollars a year, you know, to to do just that. The only thing I can infer from this at this point is that there has to be something more than a bruise here. I'm sure that uh, you know we'll find out more going forward, and I encourage you guys to to pay attention to BigBlueView.com, you know, at uh, on our website and at BigBlueView on Twitter. As we find out more, we'll do the best we can to uh, keep you guys updated on that situation, but obviously it does bear watching. What I want to do now is play for you an interview that I did with Jimmy Morris regarding Sunday's Giants-Titans game. As we play this, uh, when you get toward the end of it, just keep in mind that Jimmy and I recorded this before Thursday morning's news regarding Odell Beckham. You'll hear him ask me about, you know, Beckham's status for Sunday. And I did answer that question, you know, without knowledge of of what was going to happen here on Thursday morning. So just keep that in mind and we'll play that interview for you right now. All right, we're joined now by Jimmy Morris of Locked on Titans and of SB Nation's Music City Miracles. Jimmy, how you doing as we uh, as we look forward to Sunday's Giants-Titans game? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm good. Hey, so let's let's talk about the Titans. Obviously, you know, from the Giants' perspective, not a team that that we're all that familiar with. Um, you know, not a team, obviously, you know that that we that we see all the time. What are the Giants, you know, going to see on on Sunday when Tennessee comes to MetLife Stadium? You know, that's a really good question. Uh, those of us who watch the Titans week in and week out haven't been too sure what we were going to see. Uh, on any given Sunday, the the Titans have gotten a little bit more consistent on offense lately. Um, had a couple of really huge games. I mean, you know, everybody saw Derrick Henry's 99 yard run on Thursday night against the Jaguars. Derrick Henry has been pretty inconsistent throughout the year. Now he has been better the last five or six games. I mean, obviously, you know, you're not going to rush for 238 yards and 14 yards of carry every game, but I mean, he's steadily been improving. So I mean, they're an offense that wants to run the ball first. Uh, and then wants to you know set up a, a play action passing game. Marcus Mariota is is really good uh, when they utilize play action. So obviously that's a little bit more effective if the run game is something that the other team has to fear. And Derrick Henry has given that given them that the last month or so. So that's been a step in the right direction. They have Deion Lewis as a change of pace back. Um, you know, I mean I'm sure most people are familiar with him from his Patriots days, but he's more like I said of a change of pace, catching the ball in the backfield, that type of stuff. Uh, really effective on screen plays and that kind of stuff. Then defensively, um, they've got a, a pretty good secondary. The pass rush has struggled at times getting pressure with just sending, you know, your regular three or four guys. Dean Pease likes to blitz a lot. They, they've done a lot of that, a lot of blitzing up the middle. Uh, Jayon Brown, an inside linebacker, actually leads the team in sacks. Uh, Rashawn Evans, the rookie, has been coming on a lot of late. Uh, and he's he's a good pass rusher as well. So you're going to see them try to attempt pressure mostly from the middle, 
Um, that's, that's what they've been the most effective with on defense this year. Um, but like I said, they've had trouble when they can't blitz. They've had trouble getting pressure, but they've been able to dial some of that stuff up. So they want to be aggressive and multiple on defense, and the defense has been pretty good for the most part this year. Um, they're just inconsistent. So, I mean, you know, right, they're 7-6 and six right now. They just look like a classic 8-8 eight eight team. Some, some weeks they come out and look really good. Some weeks they come out and look terrible. Interesting, you know, the way you describe the the Tennessee offense, it's very much like what we're seeing from, you know, from the Giants these days. And, and all of that leads me to ask you, at this point in his career, what is Marcus Mariota? Is he a franchise quarterback? Is he a mediocre quarterback? You know, what is the guy? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's the $100 million question at this point, right? I mean, he's in his fourth year. Uh, they picked up his fifth-year option, obviously, before the season started. Uh, you know, we were hoping to get to see some consistency out of him this year to feel confident that he's the guy going forward so that you feel good giving him a long-term deal uh, after the season. I mean, that's what you've seen with, with most of these guys after they get to their fourth year uh, or they get to their fourth year of the rookie deal. You go ahead and extend them because they can play the fifth-year option, but it's expensive and you can, you know, get a work a contract signing bus, all that kind of stuff. He's been inconsistent this year. He's been hurt. You know, I don't, I don't know how, if you're familiar, but in the first game against the Dolphins, he got a, an older nerve issue in his right elbow and couldn't feel uh, two of his fingers on his throwing hand for like three or four weeks. So obviously they were, you know, it was it's hard to run an offense when your quarterback can't feel half of his hand. Um, so they were inconsistent in those weeks. He's been better since then. Since he's been healthy, um, he's looked better for the most part. Had one bad game. Uh, in, in, in Indianapolis, ended up getting hurt in that game, didn't play the second half. Um, but uh, it's been up and down. Uh, we, we're like you. I mean, we, we thought by this point we would have more answers. Uh, some things have been stacked against him. He's had three offensive coordinators in his four years in the league. He's had, he's had quite a few injuries that have, you know, kept him off the field at certain times. So it, it's really hard to answer that question. I'm, I'm sure John Robinson, the Titans general manager, is like the rest of us. He, he's looking for that answer. I, I think there's there's no doubt in my mind he has the ability to be a franchise quarterback. I think that once everybody gets his offense figured out, I, I think he can he can thrive in this offense and he can be that guy. But if you're looking for the definitive answer right now, I mean, I, I, we just can't give it to you because he hasn't shown it consistently. Interesting. So you also have a first-year head coach, a guy that I think some people were surprised to see, you know, become a head coach this early in his coaching career. I think I saw today that in a real oddity, I think he's the only NFL head coach to have actually played against Eli Manning. I mean, oh, I so yeah, I, I think I saw that a little bit earlier today as I was doing some reading. I mean, and so the, the question is, uh, you know, what do you think of, of the job that Mike Vrabel is doing so far? I think, you know, he probably was a little bit of a surprising hire. Is he a guy that you see, you know, who can be, you know, a long-term, you know, head coach in Tennessee, a guy that, that, that can lead this, you know, the Titans to – you know, to becoming a consistent winning team? I think so. Um, you know, it's early, and, you know, there have been some growing pains. Uh, I don't think – I can't remember how many how many plays he's challenged this year. He hasn't won one yet. 
and a few of them have been like he even he admitted after the game he kind of got caught up in the moment and threw the challenge flag because he was mad or you know whatever so kind of a little bit of that player's mentality still at times and you know he's talked about how he has to he has to get better with that the the guys obviously like playing for him uh he's been he's been good on that standpoint um i think he knows how to relate to players one of the things that he said in his introductory press conference here was he can relate to every guy on the team he's been the guy that was just you know hanging on the roster Trying to trying to make contributions to special teams so he could make the team. He's been the guy that had the big contract and everybody was kind of looking at. He's been the aging veteran that is trying to hang on as long as possible. So, so you know, he he had the ability to identify with all those different types of guys, and so I think that's translated well. Um, you know, you've seen a lot of times players don't translate well necessarily as coaches because they're you know too hard or or whatever. He, Vrabel's done a good job, I think, of relating to the players. He's actually done a good job with the media, not that that matters for his, um, you know, on-field, what, what's going to happen with the results. But um, he's really thoughtful with the way that he answers questions. And, um, you know, you can tell that he's do, he's putting the work in. He, he's doing all that stuff. He wants to be a successful head coach. He has surrounded himself with a guy like Dean Peace, you know, a guy that was a defensive coordinator in Baltimore for a lot of years. Um, Vrabel actually played for him when he was a coach in New England. So he's very familiar with him, a guy that's been in the league for a long time. So it was really smart to get a guy with that much experience on his staff because, like you said, he's a first-year head coach. Matt LaFleur of the Titans offensive coordinator is a first-year coordinator, first-time play caller. So good to have some of that experience. But, you know, the, the Titans wanted him because of his leadership qualities, um, you know, more than the X's and O's and the stuff that he would bring. And he does some unorthodox stuff. I mean, you'll see him – uh, especially in training camp, you'll see it in practice every now and then now too, where he'll get in there and and work a drill with the guy to show him the proper technique, and he'll put the you know those pads on and let the guys hit him that kind of stuff. So some of that stuff that I don't I'm not, I don't think that necessarily translates to wins and losses, but a, a guy that's really involved really gets it, takes up for his players, protects his players. A guy that I think the players like playing for, and I do think there's something to that. Um, Ken Wisenhunt was the you know the head coach here two head coaches ago, and you could pretty much tell that everybody on the team hated him. And it, it really affected the morale as the season went along. These guys seem to like Vrabel. They seem to buy into what he's selling. And like I said, he's done some things uh, to be creative. Um, you know, but going back to, I think it was week three against the, uh, against the Texans. No, it was week two against the Texans. That week in practice, so Jack Conklin, the, the Titans, the guy that was an all-pro right tackle, he was a rookie, towards ACL at the end of the year last year, was out um, – and, they were, of course, they're facing the Texans. Dennis Kelly, who's now the right tackle, was hurt again. But uh, he got sick that week and couldn't play. Taylor Lewan got a concussion in Miami. He was out. So the Titans were without their top their top three offensive tackles in that game. And you would think that would be a disaster, you know, going against the Texans. But they did a lot of, like, adjustment stuff on a Friday, put in some, some wildcat and that kind of stuff to keep them off balance. So he's just a guy that seems to get it, seems to be able to, to make the adjustments on the fly. So I think that will help him as he, you know, progresses in his NFL head coaching career. It's kind of interesting that you, you know, that you talk about the way that uh, that Vrabel relates to players because I think we're kind of experiencing the same thing here in New York, where, you know, after the last two years of of Ben McAdoo, especially last year, you know, a guy who basically lost the locker room simply because he couldn't relate to players. You know, Pat Shermer's not exactly, uh, he's not exactly exciting, but he's a guy who the players are buying his message. They're buying into his, 
he he says things like teams beat teams. He said he tells guys, you know, their thing is, you know, you, you play for each other. Uh, you know, just simple things like that. And 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 the other day, you know, after after Sunday's game, the Giants beat the Redskins forty to sixteen. They gave a game ball to wide receiver Sterling Shepard, not for catching passes, but they gave him a game ball for running 35 yards down the field to throw a block on one of the runs by Saquon Barkley. So, And I do, like you said, I think those things resonate with players and they help players buy in to what the coach is trying to sell. Yeah, absolutely. And like I said, I think that is one of the reasons that, that he got hired here. Because that John Robinson, Titans GM, really felt like he could relate to these players and, and keep them motivated. It's a long season. There's a lot of ups and downs. Um, you'll see teams, like you said, fall apart when different things happen with a coach or whatever. And that they they just all seem to be bought in here. And even in, when they've gone through some stretches that have been kind of rough on a team that had high expectations. I mean, this is a team that was nine and seven the last two years, won a playoff game last year. So there was a lot of expectations on this team coming in. And they've struggled at times to, to be consistent and to get things going. But they've you know, never lost the locker room. The guys have stayed together and played as a team. And, and like you said, I mean, I, I don't know. It's, it's hard to quantify you know, how that relates to wins and losses. But it's definitely important because, you know, you said you've seen teams where when a coach loses the locker room, I mean, I think that's kind of what's going on in Jacksonville right now. Like they've just kind of shut it down. And you haven't seen any of that here. And I think a lot of that is, is a credit to what Mike Vrabel's doing. So let's, uh, Jimmy, let's talk a little bit about Sunday's game in particular. Obviously, for Tennessee, uh, you know, the Titans are in that AFC mix, you know, for the second wild card spot in the AFC. And and the Giants, you know, unbelievably, after starting, you know, one and seven, I mean, I, I think their chance of making the playoffs is still. You know, mathematically only like one percent, but the chance is still there. There is a there is a definable path. So this is a pretty big football game, you know, for both teams on Sunday. And let me ask you this. If the Giants are going to win this game on Sunday against the Titans, what are the things that they're going to have to do, you know, in order to take advantage of, of whatever weaknesses, you know, Tennessee might have coming into the game. Yeah. So uh, the giants on an off from an offensive perspective, uh, take shots down the field, hit big plays. The, the Titans have, they, they've been pretty good on defense and they've, they've done a good job at times uh, of being kind of that bend, but don't break defense. But going back to the, to the game against the Chargers in London, uh, gave up two touchdowns in that game and they were both like 60 yard plus plays. Um, Malcolm Butler early in the season, especially, I mean, it seemed like he was getting beat for one every week. So they, they've had some lapses, uh, in the, in the deep passing game. So I think that's one way you're going to do it. Um, their run defense. I mean, I think the numbers are still pretty good, but against really good running backs, they've struggled. So, I mean, you know, it, obviously if they can get Saquon Barkley. I mean, we also seen what he's been doing the last couple of weeks. If you can get him going, that causes a problem on, on defense pressure marks, Mariota. The Titans offensive line has been pretty bad. Um, like I said, Jack Conklin's out now, the right tackle. Dennis Kelly's going to play for him. Uh, Dennis Kelly's honestly been better this year, so I'm not sure how much of a, of a downgrade that actually is. It might They might be a little bit better, especially from a pass-blocking perspective. But the interior of the offensive line has been really, really bad. Um, you know, they at, at the beginning of the year, they were okay. 
And then Baltimore came here, sacked Marcus Mariota 11 times. And ever since that, ever since then, it's just, it's just kind of been downhill. And they've given up a lot of pressure. And Marcus at times, especially, he, he seems like he comes into a game okay. But if he gets hit a few times early in the game, he kind of starts to see ghosts. And you'll see him feeling pressure that's not there, see him dropping his eyes and that kind of stuff. So if they can get him into a rhythm early, and I mean, that's the thing that I've noticed with, with Marcus Mariotis throughout his career. And one of the reasons that I, I thought that the Mike Malarkey system was so bad for him was Marcus is a guy you need to get into a rhythm. If you can get him out there early, get him hitting some you know pretty easy throws, he settles into a game and he looks good. But if it's a if it's a deal where you're running the ball a lot early, you're in a, you're in some you know third and medium or third and long type deals, and he has to make a throw every now and then, he he doesn't do well. And same thing if he gets pressured early, he seems to just get a little bit rattled. So if they can if they can apply pressure to him, I think that gets everything off schedule. And if you can keep them from if you can keep the Titans from being able to be successful on first down and keep them you know in, in the third and long type deals, that's where they've really struggled this year. I mean. Two weeks ago against the Jets, they, they won that game, but they were one of 11 on third down. The Titans were on offense. And you're not – I mean, it, it's nearly impossible to win a game like that. They were able to win it just because, you know, the Jets aren't very good. But if you get in a situation like that here, um, the, the, obviously the Titans are not going to be successful. So if they can get to Marcus Mariota early, I think it could be a long day for the offense. Let me throw one more question at you. Is there one thing – I mean, when you look at the Giants – you know, obviously, you know about Saquon Barkley. You know about Odell Beckham. Is there one thing really about the Giants, you know, about this game on Sunday that that really worries you as you look ahead to it? Yeah, it's Barkley. I mean, that, that's the thing that I just – they have struggled, it seems like, always. But uh, this year they've struggled with those dual threat running backs. Um, and that if they – if this Titans defense – I mean, and this is probably true for any team – but if they can stay on a schedule and they can get teams in second, third, and long, it just frees up a lot of stuff they can do. Like I said, that's pretty obvious. It happens to most people. But they like they like to send pressure from the inside. And a guy like Jayon Brown is one of their most effective pass rushers. But he's also their linebacker. That if you know if they're going to get a linebacker matched up on Saquon Barkley, it's going to be Jayon Brown. So if they can kind of be in those type of situations where they can send Jayon Brown instead of you know having to drop him in coverage. That type of deal, they can be successful. But I just I, I worry about their ability. Like I said, the run defense has struggled. Jarrell Casey, uh, defensive end, is, is you know one of the most underrated players in the league. He's really really good. But they're not good other than him on the defensive line, um, and they they struggle at times with their inside linebackers against the run. So that's the thing I worry about is if Barkley gets into a rhythm early. Um, I, I worry if they're going to be able to slow him down. And then, I mean, you know, if that does happen, you, you hope that the, the Titans offense can keep pace um, against it. I mean, the Giants even said, I, I think it's decent, but they're not, they're not great. Um, and I just, it just, it's just scary because, like I said, we just have no idea from week to week what we're going to see from this offense. I think part of it's having a rookie play caller. Um, he's had some good games. He's had some bad games. He's had some trouble making some in-game adjustments at times. So, I mean, I, I think they have the ability to hang in a shootout but I just I don't have a lot of confidence in that. So that's the thing that scares me. They, they've, they've had a few games where they've gotten behind, gotten down a couple of scores and been able to come back. I don't think they're going to be able to do that in this game. Interesting, because it wasn't that long ago when, when I would have said, you know, that a shootout would be a really bad thing for the New York Giants. But 
They have managed in recent weeks. I think they're averaging since the bye in their last five games. I think they're averaging 31.4 points per game. So much better offense. Something that we haven't been used to here in New York for quite a while. Uh, let me let me switch gears here quickly, Jimmy. You know, you're you're my guest, but to be honest, I'm just about out of questions for you before I let you go. If you want to turn the tables on me and and throw one or two things at me that you're interested in, you know, regarding the Giants, um, you know, feel free to do that. Yeah. So uh, Odell Beckham, he gonna play? That's a really good question. He did practice today, I guess, on a limited basis. That's kind of a mysterious thing at this point because he supposedly suffered this injury two weeks ago against Philadelphia but then played the following week against the Chicago Bears with no mention of an injury and then all of a sudden last Friday showed up on the injury report and Saturday to everyone's surprise was ruled out so it's a little bit mysterious what's going on with with Beckham and his and his quad injury. So we shall see. I think he'll probably play. That would be my gut feeling right now. I mean, that's not based on anything other than other than than a gut feeling that that he would like to get out there. And I just I I can't I, I don't understand what's going on with this injury because it wouldn't seem to have been something since he played through it one week. It 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 seems mysterious to me, you know, the situation as it is right now. Yeah, that was going to be kind of my follow-up there. It just seemed like from afar, it seemed like kind of a weird deal where all of a sudden, like you said, it popped up on Friday and then Saturday he was out. Um, so I didn't know if there was if there's anything more going on there or if it's just maybe something that popped up on him. Well, if if you find out if there's anything more going on, let me know because I'd like to know <laughs> myself because it, it that one does seem like an odd one. And then I, I think the you know the, the thing that's been the most widely debated on Twitter, where did you come down on the Saquon Barkley pick? Oh my goodness. So I will be honest. In the in the build up to last year's draft, I thought that when you looked at the situation, I thought you had to take the quarterback. And I was, you know, when I evaluated quarterbacks, and there are people who are better at this than I am in terms of watching film and evaluating, you know, college talent and all of that. Sam Darnold was my guy. He was the guy that I thought out of the group of quarterbacks, you know, that would be the best quarterback and would be the best fit for the Giants. So I'll be honest, if I was Dave Gettleman and that was my choice, I would have turned in a card that had Sam Darnold's name on it. Now, in in no way, shape, or form can you look at the kind of player Saquon Barkley is and call picking him a mistake. You just can't do it. This guy is tremendous. And, and beyond the the talent that he shows you on the field, what he's become is a guy who buys into everything Pat Shermer sells. He's become a leader in that locker room as a rookie. He's become the basically he's become the guy who kind of embodies what Shermer wants you know, in a player in that locker room, and and he's become the guy that they can rebuild this franchise around. So I would have taken Sam Darnold, 
but I think it's it's impossible to argue as good as this guy is that they made a mistake. Yeah, and then last thing for me, I mean, you know, it seemed like kind of midseason the Giants were ready to kind of mail it in a little bit. I mean, you, you traded Eli Apple, traded Snacks Harrison, but they've played a whole lot better since then. So what's the what's been the thing that's really turned the corner for them, I guess? Well, I think the biggest thing is the is the improvement in the offensive line, to be honest with you. I mean, Dave Gettleman, you know, walked in the door as the new GM saying they had to fix the offensive line. They rebuilt the offensive line, made a lot of changes to it. You know, they they had four brand new starters, but the original configuration that they put on the field this year just didn't work. They had an injury at center that cost them their starting center in, in John Halapio. It took them basically half a season to figure out the offensive line. They got really lucky uh, when uh, the when the when the Rams waived you know, offensive guard Jamon Brown. The Giants at the time had the the first. They were number one in waiver priority. They were able to claim Brown, and he's been in the starting lineup ever since. And he's been a real he's been a real uh, nice addition to that line. But f- so for me, the biggest thing has been the development of the offensive line, playing like a like a professional line at this point. They're not perfect, but they give Saquon Barkley an opportunity, and they've been much better at giving Eli Manning a pocket to throw from, which, you know, obviously he needs. He's not a mobile guy. He needs to be able to to set his feet and trust that he's going to have some protection. A lot like Marcus Mariota, like you said, when when he's pressured, when he feels uncomfortable, he sees the pass rush, sometimes even when it's not there. And obviously, you know, you know that that impacts a quarterback's play. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's it for me. Uh, you got any predictions for this game? Well, you know, I, I'm I'm going to take the Giants this week, probably in a close one. Uh, but you know, I, I just I I think that this role that they're on, they're buying into what Pat Shermer is is selling. I know they feel really good about themselves. Uh, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if, if it if it all comes crashing down at some point before the end of the season. But I, I think that uh, I think they're going to keep it rolling this week. How about you? This game scares me. I mean, we've seen a couple different times this year. Titans had a huge win over the Eagles, uh, win lost the Buffalo the next week. Had a huge win over the Patriots, win laid an egg against the Colts the next week. So it had a big win Thursday night against the Jaguars. And so I, I just this makes me this this game just makes me nervous. It seems like a, a traditional spot where they would come out flat. Uh, and I'd, like I said, if they do that, I'm just afraid that they'll get so far behind they won't be able to catch up. So I, I have a hesitancy picking the Titans in these types of spots until they prove me wrong. So I, I think it, I think it'll be a fun game to watch, um, but I think the Giants end up pulling it out. Jimmy, really, I really uh, appreciate your spending a few minutes with me, and uh, hopefully we'll uh, we'll get to do this again. Uh, always enjoy uh, listening to you guys over on the Locked On Network and uh, checking you guys out over at Music City Miracles. So we'll, uh, we'll be talking to you soon. Sounds great, man. Thanks for having me on. Take care. 
All right, our thanks to Jimmy Morris of Locked On Titans and SB Nation's Music City Miracles for dropping some knowledge on us about the Tennessee Titans, Sunday's opponent for your New York Giants. Please, Giants fans, remember to subscribe to Big Blue View Radio on all of your favorite podcast applications. Check us out at BigBlueView.com, at BigBlueView on Twitter, at Big underscore Blue underscore View on Instagram and on Facebook as well. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll talk to you again soon. Bye-bye now. Hey, everybody. It's Neil Patel, editor-in-chief of The Verge. I host a podcast every week called The Verge Cast with my friends Paul Miller and Dieter Bone. We've got a rotating cast of characters from our entire site, which is about technology, how it impacts culture, and how that is all a big cycle that causes us to have a wide variety of feelings that you can listen to every Friday. We've done over 300 episodes in the six years since The Verge has been around, but you only need to listen to one, the latest one, to get caught up on everything in tech news. Vergecast is on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, everywhere else. If you listen to podcasts, check it out.